Hey guys, you're on with Ashley Goring and uh, we got a great day that's not so hot today. Thankfully, finally, it's not 30 degrees anymore. I can actually sleep tonight, I'm hoping. Uh, <laughs> we've, got, uh, we've got a new episode today for you here. Uh, first, let's introduce our guest that we have on. I have got Brenda on with me. Hey Brenda, how's it going? Good, and how are you, Ashley? Good, good. How's the weather out there in Ontario? Uh, finally, we got a cooler day too. It's been not, it's been extremely hot here. Oh, no kidding. So as you can tell, obviously, Brenda and I are not in the same location. Uh, we are doing this through the phone, uh, which is cool. That's easy. Sometimes that's what you got to do in life. <laughs> and luckily, social media makes it so much. Uh, but yeah, so that's great. You guys have got a cooler day too. Hopefully then the girls will sleep better. You did not sleep well last night. Oh. <laughs> We're fortunate, though. We have central air. Nobody out there has central air. <laughs> no. Well, because, I mean, Calgary is like one of those places, you know, it's everything hotter, I swear, out here. But like when I first moved out here, we didn't see 30 degree weather day after day like this. Like, this is crazy to me. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, so let's jump into uh, today's topic. Now, today's uh, episode that we're doing today is, it's a lot harder of an episode today to do. Um, uh, Even for me, I actually feel it's a lot harder of an episode to do today than uh, confronting my stepdad episode. Uh, There's a lot more uh, different kind of emotions with this episode. Uh, Stigma episode, you know, like breaking a stigma or anything like that. It's it's an episode that I thought was... Vint, uh, because I feel like there is a lot of people in uh, Brenda's situation, uh, be- being a grandparent and uh, taking care of their grandchildren. I, you know, like you hear about these stories all the time of grandparents put in these situations, and I think you know, I, I think that this can really uh, help other people out there. So, okay, so let's go into the episode here. So the episode is uh, in regards to uh, Brenda's daughter, Courtney. Uh, Now, Brenda, just confirm with me, Courtney was the youngest, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, Courtney was the youngest out of her her and her sister. They're so close in age, I could never uh, remember. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's three years between them. So, yeah, so October 15th, let's go back to that, and that's two years ago now. So October 15th, 2017, was a day that it changed many lives and dramatically. Uh, Tim and I lost a very close friend, uh, but for Brenda, she lost her daughter and became a full-time, basically, uh, parent-raising toddlers again at the age of 60. And uh, so that's what we want to talk about today is Corny's uh, basically what had happened and the situation that Brenda's in now. So Brenda, um, to kind of to so to kind of go through a bit of the information here, um, a few things I wanted to go over. We actually, we had met Courtney through Tim's old high school friend uh, who was dating her, uh, who we are no longer friends with. Uh, to make a long story short for that, um, Courtney had two beautiful girls with this guy. And basically he was not present. He was, to make it a very quick uh, word, a deadbeat. Uh, so Courtney was raising them, the, the girls on her own. Uh, all of her family that lived in Ontario, not here. And she was out here. Um, I mean, you know, I know the struggle with, you know, not having family close by for help with the girls and that, you know, all of my family are out in BC. So I, I get, you know, but she really didn't have like 
she had she had very close friends that helped as much as everyone could right everyone's lives are super busy in that too so brenda i i kind of like to get you to kind of take over here and talk to us about you know there was a procedure a few days before everything had happened so kind of take us through like what was going on there well, she had had, uh, she'd been fighting cervical cancer. So she had, it was her second or third time having a laser done. Okay. She had that done on the Thursday. Okay. Um, I talked to her, I video chatted with her and the girls that night. And she didn't feel the best, but her words were to me, my vagina doesn't hurt, but she had a headache. So okay, that- and that's where the scans were happening? Is that why she said that? Yes. Okay. Okay. So then uh, Friday, we only taxed. She complained of a headache, but she was driving into Airdrie because she lived in Innisfail at the time mm-hmm. to get her hair done. And then she texted me again and said that she couldn't drive home with the girls because she, her head was so bad and she was vomiting. So a co-worker came and picked her up with another co-worker and one drove her truck and the two girls back to where she lived. Mm-hmm. I text with her that night and she said all she wanted to do was go to bed. She just wanted to go to sleep. So her neighbor, which also is a co-worker, came over and made sure her and the girls were in bed and were asleep. Now, um, it's, uh, it is relevant, not just because Courtney wasn't feeling well, but it's relevant that um, her neighbor actually came to help her, or her co-worker came to help her, so that everyone understands that her procedure, she wasn't allowed to lift, correct? You're correct. So that's why she was helping with the girls. Yeah, and also because Courtney kept complaining, because she was throwing up and had this awful headache, which she thought was just stress. Okay. Over everything. Okay. Being a single mom and the procedure she just had, she had stress in her life and a full-time mother at that too yes yeah yep. um so the following morning I tried to get a hold of Courtney and at that time the little one she was like a six thirty alarm clock yes she should have been up but Courtney wasn't answering any of my messages her dad phoned and left a message on her phone her sister tried to get a hold of her she wasn't responding to any of us so I contacted her neighbor, which was at work at the time. Okay. And I had asked her, did you check on Courtney and the girls before she went before you went to work in the morning? She said no, because the house was in total darkness. And if you went near Courtney's door, her little dog Bruce would bark his head off. And yes. she didn't want Bruce to disturb her mm-hmm. if they were sleeping. So other people were messaging her at work because they couldn't get any reply back from Courtney. So she finally decided she was leaving and going to go check on Courtney. Now it is super relevant with Courtney that um, like people also know it is worrisome. You know, like a lot of people say, Oh, she's probably just busy with kids. One thing, you know, like I knew about her, everyone kind of knew about her was she was someone that was very, um, uh, on social media quite a bit like she posted photos first thing in the morning of the girls you know throughout the day what they were doing like there was always kind of an update of what they were doing through the day right like some, a lot of people are like that and she was one of those people so with no posts and no answering the phone it was super weird yeah like for her not to return my text or her sisters or even answer her phone or reply to her dad's message on the phone that was way off base with her of something that's never ever happened before Yes. So yeah. Don 
uh, since she was getting messages from other people that weren't getting a reply back from Courtney, she left work. She went there, and when she unlocked the house and went in, the oldest one, which at that time was two weeks shy of being three years old. Yes, I remember that, yeah. Standing at the top of the stairs, and all she said is, Auntie, can you wake up Mommy? We can't wake her up. And well, that is, you know, like, you know, have you have you ever asked on like how like how would that feel to hear that you know like first she's getting all these messages being told hey we can't get a hold of Courtney and now you know before she even gets into the house this is the first thing she hears like her heart must have just sunk and freaked out. Oh, I think she she knew there was something seriously wrong, and then she went down the bedroom. There was Courtney unconscious. She dialed 911 and then she phoned me and told me that she found Courtney unconscious. So I got on the phone right away and booked the next flight I could to get out of Ontario to get out there. Yeah. And so your flight uh, now, you you had a bit of a weird situation with getting out here, correct? Well, it was, <laughs> it blew my mind what it cost for one-way flight. Oh, yeah. Don't even get us started on that, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and then, well, I don't, there's only one flight that could get me out, out to West Saturday, because um, all the other flights I would have had to drive to Toronto, which is a lot farther than Hamilton, okay. to uh, get a flight out. And like they're telling me, like the flights are leaving in a half hour. Well, I can't get to Toronto in a half hour. So it was an afternoon flight I wind up taking out at a Hamilton. And I never got to her because I could only fly into Edmonton and they airlifted her to Calgary. Yes. Which is, uh, what, a three and a half hour drive, is it, Ashley? From where? From the... Edmonton to yes. Calgary? Yeah, it's about three hours. Yeah, it's about three hours. Yeah. yeah so it's 10 o'clock. This all happened in the morning. Yes, it did. And I never got to her bedside till 10 o'clock that night. Wow. That's, that's, that's almost, you know, it's, it's amazing to hear that kind of transfer. Like, you know, we are so uh, fortunate to have like these kind of planes and that nowadays. And for that to, you know, like, I know there's a few hours difference with flying and everything like that for you guys being out there, but like, that's crazy to me. Like this was all first thing in the morning and like, you couldn't get here till 10 PM. Yeah. That's, that blows my mind. Well, I had talked to the doctor in Red Deer because um, he phoned me because I gave him permission to talk to Courtney's co-worker to keep me informed on everything that was going on until I got out there. But he had told me at that time when he called me from what they had found out with Courtney there, they were they weren't sure if there's any brain activity. And they weren't sure at the time whether they were going to airlift her to Calgary or airlift her to Edmonton. Okay. Okay. So when I booked my flight, I, I had no choice but to go into Edmonton, and they airlifted her to Calgary. Okay. So they had actually, from Innisville, taken her to Red Deer first. Yes. Which was only 15 minutes away. That Like, it's not, like, Innisville and Red Deer are not very far. They're, like, right next to each other. Um now, uh, you know, like I'd like to mention that Courtney actually worked, like she had a very close um, circle with her co-workers and, you know, because not everyone is that close with their co-workers, but she actually worked, she was very close with a lot of her co-workers uh, because she worked in a prison. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so it, it goes to show that kind of family support that she did have with them. 
And um, that's one of the reasons why she lived out in Innisfil too, is to be closer to work. Uh, now, to kind of back up a bit before we can uh, continue on talking about Courtney here now in Calgary, what had happened with the girls during this period, right? So Dawn has Dawn's called 911. What is happening with the girls at this point in time? You know, they, Dawn's walked in, you know, she's called 911, you know, obviously ambulance, uh, everyone's came in. The girls at this point in time. Well, um, that's the thing about all the employees, like her group at work, they call themselves the Blue Family. There was one, they were there to uh, gather up the girls and keep, take them and keep them for the night until John and I could get there to have the girls. Like, they, they just blew our minds. Like, we, they just took control of everything. We had nothing to worry about as far as the girls were concerned. They were safe. Um, I never, ever met the girl or her husband that had the girls. We talked on the phone that night before I got to the hospital. And it was just like we've known each other forever. Yeah. Yeah. They're all truly amazing. And they call us like we're the blue family now, too. Oh, that's, you know, that's, it's, re it's really nice to see when a situation, especially like this does arise, you know, that you see just what, what you call like a community just come together and just help in any way they possibly can. Right. And, oh. uh, that's, it, it's great to see that that's still out there with humans. <laughs> oh yeah. And then her landlords, um, they were notified right away. They were over to see us. They told us we could stay in that house as long as we wanted. They took um, all the utilities out of Courtney's name and put it back in their name. We had wow. nothing to worry about. We had a, a roof over our head because we had no idea how long we would be in Alberta to be able to legally bring these girls back to Ontario. Yeah, so before we go too much into that, let's, because um, we're going to talk about that here in regards to you guys uh, fighting for the girls. So uh, let's go back now then to um, the, you, so you arrive at the hospital, it's just you, uh, your husband John has not came out at this point in time, Courtney's father, um, it's just you, correct? Correct. Okay, and what, what exactly happened from there once you got there? Oh, once I got there, um, I walked in and I was blown away when, of course, when I saw my daughter, the shape she was in, um, living on life support and the amount of people that were surrounding her and giving her love and support. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Ashley. No, like we said, this is a, you know, this is, this is a, this is an extremely hard episode today, you know, and I appreciate you coming on and doing it. So don't apologize. Don't apologize at all. This is a normal emotion. And I, I knew as soon as I seen her, there was no turning back. I could just tell it was I mother instinct. I looked at her. I knew she was, she was still more. You still have that tiny bit of hope, but deep down, like you said, the mother instinct, you, yeah. you, you know, you can sense it kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And then and the, so the doctor came in and talked to me and the trauma uh, he told me his, him and his trauma te team were totally blown away about what had happened to Courtney. Um, and there was nothing they could do. There was hardly any brain left whatsoever. So what, um, just so far my listeners can hear, what happened to her? Right. So is everyone's probably kind of under the assumption because we've talked about her procedure and then we've gone on talking how she wasn't feeling well the next day. What exactly did happen? 
Uh, we didn't know the truth until we got the autopsy back, which was nine months after, which w- we were with you when we got it. Yes. Yeah. She was born with a disease, uh, muscular dysplasia. I believe that's right. Yeah. If I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is where all your arteries and your veins are extremely thin and uh, hers bursted and went, which caused a severe stroke and all the blood went directly to her brain. It was no blood clot or nothing. It was just everything bursting and going directly to the brain. Okay. And um, we knew everything had bursted, but we didn't know why until we got the final autopsy. Um, Mm -hmm. And this disease only only travels through the female side of the families. Right. Yes. We know. Okay. We've, We've stemmed it back. We, my great-grandmother died of the same thing. Now, you didn't actually know that until um, that this was thing, until this happened to Courtney, right? Like, you didn't even know this was your something your great-grandmother had actually passed from, correct? No, because back then, which would, would be over 100 years ago. Of course. She was uh, in her early 50s on her, her son's wedding dance floor. She collapsed. Oh, my God. She had no brain activity, but she had a pulse for so many hours and then she just quit breathing let's face it back then they had didn't have the technology they do put you on life support they didn't know but the symptoms were identical to courtney's symptoms wow okay so so that my listeners do follow and understand this this actually had nothing to do with her procedure it just ironically happened like right after exactly Um, it, you know, and that's why you guys had thought something had gone wrong with the procedure. So, yeah, so the doctors then came and talked to you and told you then about uh, where Courtney was at and everything. When did, um, like, was John and Nicole already on their way out at this point in time, or did you call them to tell them to come out? They had already had their flight booked, but they couldn't land till 9 o'clock Sunday morning. Okay, okay, so, yeah, we're looking at, so this all happened on the Saturday, and now we're looking at uh, the, in the Sunday morning. Yes, they were they were in Calgary at the airport by nine o'clock Sunday morning. Okay, in 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 Calgary, so that's nice. At least they didn't have to go to Edmonton. No, no they were able to get a flight right into. Now, Calgary. did did we at all mention like how did you get from Edmonton to Calgary? A coworker of Courtney's so picked me up and drove me. Again, was right there for you. Just that's yes. that's phenomenal because again, that's like for him that would have been a six hour like that was basically his day like six hours right of driving three hours there three hours back. So that's, yeah. that's amazing. So once uh, John and Nicole got there, you know, tell me, tell me everything that was going through your mind at this point in time and what's happening with all of you. Um, I don't know how to put it in words. And I did have, uh, Jamie was with me, which is a Dunville girl that okay. lives out there. She never left my side all night. She's the one that went and got them at the airport and brought them back. And uh, we included her into everything because she's mm-hmm. like a daughter to me, too. I've known her since she was a little girl. But anyways, I uh, John, uh, when I seen him, it was it was pretty hard when he seen her laying there, the way his reaction. Yeah. And they gave us some time with us, with her. And then the doctor came and talked to us. We had to talk to a couple of different doctors and they they showed us all her uh, test results and how much of the brain was left. And she would never be able to do anything. She couldn't breathe on her own, nothing. And we said, 
we got to pull the machine. So they got her ready. And then we went in and sat with her within 15 minutes. She was gone. But the real hard part was as I rubbed her arms and told her that I loved her, I promised her, her dad and I would take those girls back to Ontario. They did. She didn't have to worry about them. We would raise them and make sure they're okay. And the tears started pouring down her eyes. So I know she heard that me. That must have been uh, inc- incredibly hard to, uh, to, to see that the tears come out of her eyes. And what, you know, um, what did the doctors like for me, if I had seen the tears, did that mean anything? Right. Like when you see tears, like, does that mean the brain activity is starting again? No, um, they said the hearing's the last thing okay. to go. Okay, okay, so that that makes sense then. Why there was this kind of reaction, so she could still hear you then. Yes, but she there was no reactions from her at all when the life support machine was on her. But I will tell you, Ashley, I went through this with John's sister uh, three years before I lost Courtney, and it was the same thing with her. No reaction, and it the tears started after the life support was disconnected. Wow. Wow. It it really, you know, makes you wonder exactly what's happening with someone when they're on life support, right? Like what's really going on in them, even though there isn't brain activity, it was that soul is still there. You know, she, and also too, they had told me Saturday night, they knew John and Nicole had to fly in from, Mm-hmm. Ontario and the odds of Courtney having a heart attack through the night and taking her life even she's on the, the machine was very very likely but what they would do is they would drug her to keep her heart pumping until her dad and her sister got there no and they did have to they did have to drug her through so the night. So what, um, why, why did they say that? Like, what was the reason that they thought she was going to have a heart attack? Like, did they tell you what, why that is? She had, because she had already had a severe okay. stroke. And with what was going on with all her organs and everything, apparently she had already started to have a heart attack before I even got there. And they had to drug her once before I was even there. Oh, wow. But they were doing the best they could to keep her alive until I got there, and then they, and they did it again to so she was still, still alive when John and Nicole got there the next morning. Wow! Wow! Yeah, I actually never knew those details. That's, I mean, that's that's a lot for a mother to witness and have to go through. And you know, it's it's a mother's worst nightmare to ever have to see this, right? You 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 never yeah, want your children to go before you. You just don't. Well, they're not supposed to, but they're not. And, you know, we don't know why things happen in life, but they do. And, you know, it's, that's such a terrible situation that you were in. But so now how long was it until that you guys did? um, Because I imagine like, did you guys donate her organs? You would have had to wait an amount of time. Uh, We were going to, um, but they wouldn't take the life support off her till Monday sometime because they have to have a team there to remove the organs as soon as she quits right. breathing. Yeah. So we questioned Nicole, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And Nicole mm-hmm. said, I'll tell you right now, if it was me lying in that bed, mm-hmm. I would want you to pull the life support and not, I wouldn't want you to suffer watching me with that machine for another whole day. Wow. 
So we pulled the machine. Yeah. Well, you know, that was, you know, and some people might have their own feelings like, well, you know, you know, like being, giving, donating the organs and that, you know, saves other people and everything. But until you're in that position, you know, you can't judge how people react and why they make the decisions they do. And, you know, I think Nicole put that really well is, you know, you're suffering sitting there watching this, right? You know, because you wouldn't have left for until that happened that morning. You would have been sitting there this entire time just getting worse and worse yourself, right? Oh, I wouldn't have left the hospital at all. Yeah. And like just and the girls were in the back of our minds constantly. Like they and where they were, they they were with strangers, but one thing we're thankful for, those girls they take to anybody. Yes. They always have. Yeah. Now it's you know, it's it's tough because I know this was really hard on especially the youngest one because she was actually still breastfeeding at night. Uh, yes. And actually I had talked to the, when I talked to the girl that had her on the phone in Dwayne's truck heading to the airport, she was telling me how the oldest one went down quite well. And she was, she had a problem with the, uh, the little one. I says, well, Courtney was still breastfeeding her at nighttime. And she says, no wonder. Yeah. yeah. And I had, uh, up until she was with us for, I would say, a good two months, she would suck my finger to go to sleep at night. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, wow. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. So now we've, 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 you know, you said goodbye to Courtney and everything. And really, you know, to everyone else's mind, you know, now you're in mourning and everything, but really for you guys, it wasn't so much that you were in mourning anymore. It was the fight was on now because it was now that you guys had to fight for the girls to actually, because there was no, as much as Courtney had full custody of the girls, she actually had never completed her will, right? No, she was in the process of doing the will. And so, you know, just to kind of, uh, cut out here, you know, for all my listeners here, if you don't have a will, and especially if you have kids, get on it. Seriously. You, I know people don't want to spend the money and everything, you know, you, you're like, Oh, I can go get the package, do it myself. And I did the exact same thing. Honestly, spend the $1,200, get the will done because at the end of the day, this is the kind of shit that happens. And it is so hard. It's so much harder to deal with. It really is. And I can tell you, Tim and I went and got it done like right after this incident, because we were just like, Oh my God, like we need to go and do it now. Um, uh, Ashley, we're still fighting the government and yes. stuff, uh, Revenue Canada, over her income tax and everything because she didn't have a will. Exactly. And that's that's exactly what my mom has actually told me in the past. Like, as soon as you don't have a will, like, you deal with the government and everything for God knows how long until things are sorted out, basically. And that's... It, yep. it, it's It blows your mind because it's like, well, you've got, you know, custody of the girls and you've got, like, you were her parents. Why should this be that hard? It really is that that hard well i know and it took me up until two months ago i finally got child tax credit i was been fighting that what proving that yes this is so we're talking we're now in so two months ago is june 2019 she passed away october 2017 yeah oh my wow I don't understand this part, but they told me that even though they knew Courtney was deceased, the girls were still in her care, even though they knew the girls were living with me. I, they back paid me. They did. They back paid me all the way back 
to the middle of October when she passed away. Good. Okay. Well, at least, you know, at least that's good to hear that, that you did get something, but for it to take that long, holy, we're talking almost two years now. Like that's a year and a half. A year and a half before I got any money for child tax credit. Wow. So, okay. So yeah, no. you guys are, you know, at this point you guys should be mourning and everything. When did Nicole go back home? Cause she didn't stay with you guys out here for the fight. Uh, Nicole didn't go back till everything it was finalized. She went back on a Tuesday, okay. which was just over a week that Courtney had passed away. And then we came home on the Saturday because, uh, we had to meet with, um, we call it different out here in Ontario than you do there. I think yours is uh, family services. Okay. Anyways, because Courtney being found unconscious as a single mm-hmm. mother, he had to talk to us once. Courtney was gone at the hospital. Right. And he advised us, do not take those girls out of Ontario until we have legal document. Do not talk to the father's family whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, Just he told us to go to Red Deer Courthouse um, Monday morning and get uh, a guardianship paper signed. And we could take the girls out of Ontario. We said, okay. And on our way, we went Monday morning. When we were on our way to Red Deer, to the courthouse, Nicole had called us and said the police had been at Courtney's house to warn us not to leave Ontario until things were done Alberta, legally. Alberta. Or yeah. Alberta, yes. Sorry, <laughs> it's all good. Alberta. It's all good. Because they were contacted by the father, um, which was a radical idiot. Yes. But uh, we could have got the the guardianship, but they told us at the courthouse it would take us six months. Well, we can't stay in Alberta for six months. So we we were happened to be parked right in front of Courtney's lawyer's office. So we walked in there um, to to see if she could help us. Uh, The secretary said one moment she went and talked to the lawyer and if we could wait 20 minutes she would see us we waited and she saw us and she said this is really weird because the father had just called there two hours prior to us showing up asking if she would take on the case to fight us and she turned him down and uh, he blankly told them that we were only there because of the money so yeah let's um yeah let's talk about that here so their father really wasn't in the picture at all. He barely even knew the youngest actually at all, but he decided now he wanted to fight for them and uh, have them, which, you know, so many of us friends wise that knew him were like, he couldn't even imagine dealing with the repercussions of what's going to happen now with these girls, like emotions they're going to be dealing with, the struggles and everything. But, you know, how, how do you think he had found out about Courtney passing away? We were told he found out because he heard about the GoFundMe page that uh, a good friend of Courtney's has started back here in in Ontario to help us get the girls back to Ontario because uh, she was only after five thousand dollars to help us, but it we got pretty near forty grand. I will say it, mm-hmm. um, and it cost us just over twenty grand with all the fees and everything. Mm-hmm. There was to get those girls back to Ontario. And that's, I mean, that's to show you, that's how much like friends, it wasn't just like your guys' friends. It was friends that knew him too, did not want him to have them because 
we exactly. everyone knew the kind of lifestyle he lived, the kind of person he was, how he would have taken he couldn't have taken care of them. And I mean, you know, I will get into that a bit more where the girls are in life, but to deal with the stuff that was gonna come up and that, there's no way he could have handled it. Um, and so that's you know, it's I mean, that's <laughs> uh you know, do you do you feel like he was wanting the girl so he found out from the GoFundMe, do you feel like he was wanting the girls? because they were his daughters or because of the money? The money. Yeah. Because he doesn't, he has nothing to do with the girls. No, he, he never phoned. Nothing. Yeah. It's been almost two years and nothing. Yeah. No. And like, and for how quick he signed them over and didn't, and actually he didn't even fight us for them. No. Like we saw the lawyer on a Monday and the papers were signed that Wednesday or Thursday, he signed them over to us. You know, and to be really, uh, like, give him this tiny inch of, you know, credit here, it's probably the best thing he's ever done is sign is oh, sign them sure. over to you guys, you know, because <laughs> well, I don't even know how he would have thought of taking on these girls. But, I mean, it's besides the point, we're not going to go on about him anymore. <laughs> um, no. It's not no. about him, but... You know, so, okay, so the fight really didn't happen that long. It didn't take that long. So when you guys got the girls, because you guys were staying in Courtney's place here, um, and the fight is kind of going on, you know, back and forth, how he's saying he wants the girls and that, and you guys are talking with the lawyers and that, you know, where, what is happening with the girls with you guys? Have you guys told them that their mother has passed away? Or are you guys wait, like, how, how did you guys respond to all this once they were with you guys? Uh, they knew that, uh, there was something seriously wrong with mummy. Um, it's, it was really strange because when they were brought back to, at first we weren't even going to get them till after we had a shower and had supper on Sunday and then have them brought back to the house. But when we got to the house, we wanted them right away. Yeah. And we were sitting in the kitchen and you know how Courtney's house was laid out. Were yes. you there oh, at yes. all? Yeah. I've been there a few. Yeah. Quite a few times I'd been there. And we heard them coming across the sidewalk. And uh, the person that brought them back said, someone's in the house to see you girls. And right away, the, the oldest one goes, Nana and Papa. Like, how did she wow. know it was us that would huh. They were so excited to see us. And they never questioned about their mom. And then we started packing things up because we got a container to bring everything back to Ontario. We brought everything. We Their playhouse, their trampoline, their bicycles, their beds. We brought everything back to Ontario with us. That was their personal stuff in that house. Now, the only thing that you guys didn't bring back, um, uh, which I guess, you I, you know, I'd never really asked you about, but you didn't. So she had a dog, Bruce, which was like a wiener dog. Uh why why you guys decided not to keep him what happened there like why didn't you know he was part of the family why didn't you what was the decision behind that he went he went to uh don's next door don took him um we already had a dog mm -hmm. and with the girls i i didn't want two dogs in the house it just you were we had overwhelmed I, I just i don't know to me um he belonged out there yeah. He loved Gary. He played with, with her. She had a wiener dog too. So, and he loved Gary. They played together every day. And so I left him there with 
And he's happy. He's very happy. That's good. So you just, you know, it's just, I never really asked you about it. It's not, it's not anything judgmental, right? Against you. Um, you know, I know my mom has always said like, if anything happened to you guys, I would take the girls and the dogs and everything like that. Um, of course, you know, when people are in the overwhelmed situation, the last thing you want to think about is another overwhelming situation of taking on it. Right. And if there was that option that Don offered up, like, Hey, I'll take him. Obviously that's what was, you know, the best then for you guys. And that's, that's great. Obviously he didn't go to a shelter or anything like that. <laughs> no, 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 no. I wouldn't do that to him. And I, <laughs> Courtney tried flying home a couple times with him. When she got to the airport, that dog went berserk. She even drugged him the one time and it didn't. <laughs> he was, he was funny. She had, leave, she had to leave him there. The only time she was able to bring him back is when uh, she drove yeah. here that summer moved home with the girls. She drove here and drove back. That's the only time that Bruce ever came back to Ontario once she left Ontario. Yeah, yeah. Because every time she got to the airport, he just, he would he went totally berserk. And she was afraid of him having a heart attack. So she, the first time she left, Nicole had dropped her off at the airport because Nicole was living out mm-hmm. there then. And Nicole took him. But we, as far as the girls telling them about their mother... They never questioned much, Ashley. We we thought we had talked about it. If they would have asked us why we were still in Alberta, we would have told yeah. them. But we had decided we would wait till we got back to Ontario. Um, they knew they were flying home with Nana and Papa. Mm-hmm. And when we were loading the container, like uh, the oldest one would say, "Why are you putting my putting my bicycle in there, Papa? Why are you putting my house in there, Papa?" Well, you want to take it to Ontario with you? Yeah, yeah. So she was getting excited. She knew she was flying to Ontario and all her stuff was going into that container and it's being shipped to Ontario. Um, and then when we got back here, she started asking about her mommy and we had talked what we were going to do when she asked where her mommy was, we were going to tell her that mommy got really sick. She had died and she's gone to heaven to be an angel. Mm -hmm. And uh, we would take her outside and show her the stars in the sky and she could pick out whatever star she wanted. And that was her mommy and her mommy is safe. And the first night it started, Nicole took her outside and when you know it, it was cloudy and there was no stars. No. So she took her out the following night and, uh, Every night for the longest time, she would go outside before she went to bed and she would say goodnight to mommy. I love you. And then it got, then it got to be, you know, less and less. And uh, at this point in time, pushing two years, um, she still does it, but not nearly as often as she used to. But she talks about her mommy every day. That's good. That's every day. That's really and, good. Uh, both of them now will tell you what, because we've had a lot of thunderstorms mm-hmm. lately. That's mommy partying in the sky. Not mommy angry. <laughs> no, mommy's partying in the sky. And Riley told me yesterday she thinks mommy's partied enough. It's time for her to have a rest. <laughs> she is so smart for her age. I tell you, she oh. is just too smart. <laughs> yep. Already saying that her mom's partied <laughs> too much, eh? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so before um, we'll talk a bit more uh, in a second here about on, being in Ontario now, uh, let's talk about the prison. So the prison was a huge, um, well, the family, the blue family was a huge uh, 
uh, became such a family for you guys, really. And so let's kind of talk about, like, you know, they had done quite a few things for you guys when you were out there before you had came back. Oh, they were at the Monday. Cordy passed on the Sunday. There was two officers, female officers, came in and, do, and introduced themselves to us Monday with an envelope full of money just from their department alone. Wow. Um, then the following, I'm trying to keep my day straight. It's sort of hard to, mm-hmm. you know, um, they had a fundraiser barbecue at the prison that we were invited to, and they raised a pile of money for the girls. It just, um, they, even this past Christmas, they had a competition and all the money went into the girls' bank account that they raised. It was for the girls to help buy Christmas presents for them. Oh, wow. They uh, did which they did the last call, which really uh, blew our minds. Yeah, I guess. The last, and you know what, the last call, that was a super emotional thing because I heard it too. And, you know, I, I, I do want to play it for everyone to hear, all of my listeners to hear. And, you know, it's quite emotional. So, you know, I, Brenda, I do expect, you know, like some tears to happen because when I, when I listen to it, it, it makes me super emotional too. And I mean, this whole, this whole episode, it's like, I'm, I can just feel like my eyes stinging somewhat. So uh, the more things you keep talking about, you know, but I, you know, I, I feel, you know, as someone who's done so much counseling, it's good to talk about these things. You know, it's good. Oh, it's yeah. good to be open. Holding it in makes you angry. And oh, I can sit and talk about Courtney and her blue family and everything that's gone on. I can sit and talk every day about it. I love to talk about Courtney. Oh, she was she was she was amazing. I I literally said to Tim on uh, a number of occasions. I was like, I don't know how Courtney does this every day. You know, like her and I had kids very close in age. It was um, yes. Riley first, then Kira was born, and then uh, Winter, and then it was Esme. Like it was like back to back kind of thing. And uh, they were very close in age. And I used to say to him sometimes when he'd come home, you know, I'm, I admit I'm very fortunate has um, that my girls have a dad that are so hands on and he wants to help. He's there for the girls and everything because not every woman has that. And Courtney was just everything to those girls. She really was. Oh. And oh, uh, yeah. so. They clung to her. Like uh, they totally did. They <laughs> totally did. And so I want to play the last call here. Um, yeah, I want to play this last call here for everyone to hear. So it's about 40 seconds long enough. Now, uh, okay, because I, I got something I want yeah, to tell you about Yeah, go ahead that. first before we play it. Um, when they did that, we were invited. They always do it at 10 o'clock at night. That's when they're changing oh, okay. shifts. Um. And usually it's only the ones that are going in and the ones that are going off shift. Maybe the odd other one will show up at 10 o'clock at night to listen to the the last call. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many officers were there. They were outside on the steps with the tea light candles. When we walked into the room, they had, there was two teddy bears with uh, correction officer uniforms on them. One for each of the girls. Wow. There was flowers and there was a candle for us because we were in a room outside the prison, but it was all glass. So we could see everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. Like 
it wasn't just going in and listening to this tape um, or the last call, the actual calling. Mm -hmm. And they just treated us like gold. And after the last call, I says like that everyone is leaving, coming out of the prison, the Mm -hmm. employees, ones in uniform and out of uniform that went. And I had said to them, can we go over and greet them as they come out of the gate? And they says, you sure can. And like, there was a lot that come out of that prison and shook our hands and hugged, hugged us and complimented us on our daughter and everything. And it was so overwhelming. Just something you'll never, ever no, forget. No, no, exactly. And uh, she worked in a men's prison, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Wow. She's, you know, she's just such a strong person, like such a strong person. Like that's a, you know, kind of, you know, makes you kind of go, well, like <laughs> a woman working in a men's prison, you know, like that can kind of put some fear in some people. Right. But she was, she was such. That doesn't even. Oh, she's a she was. Yes, exactly. <laughs> she was. So I'm going to play the last call here and uh, I'm going to okay. get that. Control to Officer Moyer. Control to Officer Moyer. Control to Officer Courtney Moyer. Control to Officer Courtney Moyer. Career started June 24, 2008, until her death on October 15, 2017. Your service is appreciated. We have the watch from here. Rest in peace. Control out. Yeah, so that was the last call. You know, it's uh, it's it's very it's very hard to hear in that. And uh, so they do this for um, everyone that is that's work that's basically an officer that's working at the time, right? I believe it's just when they're working at the time. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, so you know that's uh, and they had given you a disc of this, right? Yes, we got a CD of it. Not that it's something you probably listened to. I have the, uh, well, I used to have, I. it's in my phone. I've listened to it on there. Yeah, yeah. So now um, we're going back to Ontario here. You guys are in Ontario. Your life has literally been not only flipped upside down, but it's like inside out, 360, in like every way possible, right? You're You guys are probably just not even sure what direction you guys are looking at this point in time, right? You're barely even mourned for Courtney because you've now had to fight for the girls to get custody and that of them ship everything back. You get back home. What is, what are your feeling? What is going through your mind at this point in time? You're back at home. Well, that's shortly after that, Ashley is when I got severely sick and I was on my deathbed. That's right. Oh, that's right. You know, Oh, that's right. I totally uh, forgot about that. I went in the hospital for uh, 16 days with uh, double pneumonia, uh, a viral parasite in me. Um, I had no sodium left in my body and I thought I, it was just all depression. Um, with everything that had happened in the last month, mm-hmm. I think I was sick but obviously I was they told me within 12 hours I probably would have been found un- I would have been found unconscious or I would have been found dead Jesus um so like John and Nicole's dealing with that the girls still don't have a bed there's this is a month 
after we've been home. The container got lost and didn't show up on time with their beds. So they had no beds. They were living out of suitcases. Oh, my God. It was only supposed to be so many days and the container would be here. So we only packed so many outfits for the girls to do them until the container got here with the rest of their clothes and their dressers and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, like, everything was just... And then you're... Um, I come home the first part of December. So those two were thinking about Christmas and, you know, and trying to get the house ready for Christmas. I can't do nothing. Cause I was, I had no strength, no nothing. Right. Do the, the Christmas shopping to make, not that any of us wanted to celebrate Christmas, but because of the girls, you have to put up a tree and Santa Claus has to come. Of course. Of course. They're the ones that really kept you guys like going and oh, not going to depression exactly. really, right? Exactly. Yep. Um, I thought it and thought it and finally I, uh, I'm not ashamed of it. I went on a depression pill. I fought mm-hmm. it for six, eight months. No one should ever I- be depressed about admitting that they needed help and that they sought treatment to get help you know like people that's that you know what we're this isn't really a stigma topic kind of thing but this part of it is you know like people should not be ashamed of their emotions people should not be ashamed when they go into depression this whole state that you just went through is completely it wouldn't be any kind of surprise that a mother would be going into depression when they lose their child you know yeah. like I you know I had lost my youngest child I I gained her two and they were just babies. Yeah. Yeah. John and I were at a point in our life that uh, we had an empty nest. We we were starting to travel. We traveled a lot. We we came and go, you know, like that is all gone. It's gone down the tubes. Our life is exactly the way it was 30 years ago. Yeah. Raping our two little girls. So we're, yeah, we're now talking about uh, the thing that I really wanted, uh, you know, to bring up because there is so many grandparents in your position 60 years old now they're raising their grandchildren they're the they're doing the parenting again they're not being those fun grandparents you're doing essentially the disciplining the uh, you know everything that you what you didn't want to do as a grandparent right you wanted to be that fun grandparent that gave them candy whenever they saw you kind of thing right exactly and we can't be we can't be grandparents to them no even though we were nan and papa yeah but we cannot play the role of grandparents. Thank God I've got um, our best friends. Um, but actually, they will have the girls later on today because we're going to a fundraiser, John and I, tonight for dinner. They play the grandparent role with our two girls. Well, that's good. So they get to have that kind of relationship with someone, right? And, and, and I mean, love them to death. That's, that's great. That's great to hear, you know. Um, so, so once you were, so once you were better and everything like that, you know, what, what was the kind of things you were seeing with the girls daily? Like what kind of things were happening with them? You know, like where, was there no kind of acting out or anything at all since their mom had passed? We had a lot of issues with the oldest one for the longest time. Mm-hmm. She would, um, tantrums, meltdowns, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. She started school last year because um, here they start school at uh, Longster Four by the end of December. Right. Start off uh, first year kindergarten because I have two years of it. It was a rough go at first. Um, 
one thing living in a small town, everybody knows everyone. Right. I know both of her teachers personally. The one grew up and hung out with Nicole. Uh, they all knew Courtney. Okay. Loved her. So, like, they knew the situation that Riley was in. They, you know. Mm-hmm. We, uh, which, which is nice. Which is nice. They could, you know, because nowadays... Uh, uh, school classes are so big that really how much do teachers actually know about you, right? Yeah, it's not like we had to go and explain. This is what's happened to this child's life, and this is why we have them, and her mom isn't here. They all knew. Mm-hmm. They knew the history of Courtney being a single mom and everything right down until she passed away, and we got them. So, like, that that took a burden off our mind. We didn't have to explain all that. Um, That's yeah. We were at the point we had talked to the, uh, I had talked to the teacher, being I'm a school bus driver and I go to Riley school. I see the teachers all the time and we would talk and uh, I had said, do you think she needs counseling? So we had approached about counseling through the school, but we got her under control. And when I did see the counselor and I told her how I talked to Riley and everything that was going on. They said counseling isn't going to do her any good. I'm doing exactly because I'm very open with her. I talk mm-hmm. to her about mommy, and she, she knows she can ask me anything about her mom, and I will tell her. Mm-hmm. Now, the oldest, does she remember anything from that day, that morning of her uh, mom? She told me a few months ago, who? I didn't ask her. She... Uh, she says, Nan, I remember what happened when mommy died. I says, you do? I says, what do you remember? I says, well, she goes, I know she got really sick and she died and went to heaven and became an angel. Um, I dumped her purse all over the floor. I'm not the one that dumped the diaper bag and I didn't put the toilet paper in the toilet. <laughs> don't talk about those things in front of so. She does, She and she told me how she kept pinching mommy's cheeks to try to wake her up. Wow. Which is something they both did to John, Nicole, and I for well over a year. Really? The, if we happened to close our eyes, they were poking her eyes open and pinching her cheeks to see. And uh, we had a terrible time with them as far as sleeping's concerned. Mm-hmm. So bring them in bed with us. And that's what they would do. And I would answer, answer them. And they would, and then they would, they would go right back to sleep because they knew I was, they could wake me up. So that was kind of like their trauma was to see someone like going to sleep basically because they didn't know whether or not they were going to come back. And the oldest one will say to me quite often, Nana, you're not going to, you're not going to die on me. Are you like that mommy did? How do you, how do you respond to that? I've been very open and honest with her. I said, everybody dies at some age, but Nan ain't going nowhere too soon. That's that's probably the best way to put it. Because to say, like, no, I'm not going to die on you, right, would not be the right thing because that's not a truth, right? And she's obviously r- realized more than what you guys had even realized at some point, right, of stuff that had happened. Yep. Like, I, I, I was raised never to be afraid of death. It's a part of life. Mm-hmm. My dad was always very open with us four kids over that. And 
I was open with my two girls and I'm going to be very open with these two girls about it. It's, it's a part of life, It is whether we like it or not. And to tell a four-year-old child that I'm not going to die, I'll always be here for her. To me, that's lying to her. Uh, it totally is. It totally is. Right. Uh, we, you know, we're not talking about that. This is a one-year-old, not that a one-year-old would ask something like that, but no, like she clearly knows more than sometimes you give a four-year-old credit for. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. to, you know, if she's asking a question like that, you can't, you can't dance around that kind of subject. You have to be honest. Yep. And that's, and that, I think that's a really good way that you responded. I really do. Thank I really you. Do. I do. Yeah. Like I'm very. Any, uh, they ask me anything. I'm, I'm not going to lie to them. Uh, they've already asked me about their dad once. They mm-hmm. thought he was in heaven with mummy, and I said, no, daddy is alive. He lives in Alberta somewhere, and, you know, they've never questioned it again. Well, I mean, the youngest one, she really has, like, no relationship with him. Like, she doesn't really have many memories where the oldest would, right? Because he was, like, when we started talking to him again, when him and Courtney were together, uh, they had they had already had Riley, so and they were living together, and so Riley does have some memories of him, right? I don't know because she, I've she has seen pictures of him and she skims right on by the pictures. Really, she because like she'll tell me that's mummy and um, different people from out west. She remembers, mm-hmm. but him, he, she, because I don't come out and say anything. I'll just say, do you know who this one is? That one is some she knows and some she don't. And him, he, she does not know. She has not seen him since she was two years old. Right was her right. second birthday and winter wasn't even a year old yet that's right yeah no she wasn't she wasn't now do um you know with the girls obviously they don't have any kind of relationship with him do they have any relationship with his family at all oh yes they have a very good and close relationship with his mom their grandma and their aunt holly and they talk to their cousin shane that's good. That's really good to hear. And I mean, you know, for tons of other reasons, it's good to hear. It's good that you guys have that support from them, right? Um, oh, it's good sure. to hear, like, if anything comes up where, you know, like, how many times have doctors asked me in my life, you know, like, well, do you have any of this in your family and this in your family? At least you're able to go to them, and be, you know, the other grandma and say, hey, like, do you have any of this in the family? Like, we need to know for this doctor and everything, right? <laughs> No, his mom and I have a very good relationship. Uh, She video chats with the girls, her and her daughter, the girl's aunt. were both here in the spring for a visit, and they took the girls for three days and stayed in the motel together. And the girls just love it. They get stuff in the mail from their grandmother. and That's really good. That's really good, you know, because... And the reason why I kind of say that's really good to hear this because, you know, sometimes when during situations that happen like this, right, you hear like, well, my son should be raising them and everything like you took them from my son, took that chance. And it's really good that that's not what's happening for you guys, that they actually see that you guys were the right people for for them to go to. Yeah, and they do. And And that's, uh, that's that's fabulous, I think. Yeah. And I wouldn't want it any other way. And I'm glad they are in the girl's life because to me, the more they got to love those two little ones, the better off they are. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just believe like family's very important. It is. It is. And like, I'm, and I'm very thankful. They do have a relationship 
with the other, not just my family, not just John's family, but with their dad's family too. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it, you know, like fam- more family, the merrier is what I look at, right? As long as everyone's in their boundaries and everything like that, right? <laughs> it's not toxic. <laughs> And they know she's grandma and I'm Nana. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the same with our girls. They have a Nana and a grandma. And, uh, you know, so that's, uh, that's funny, actually. <laughs> I, had, yeah. I had two grandmas growing up, and I addressed them by their last names. It was Grandma Goring or Grandma Parker. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, it seems to have gone the other way. It's like, uh, you know, Nana and then this name and then Nana this name. And <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, have you now... With this genetics thing that you were talking about, I wanted to kind of touch back on this here. Uh, have the girls been tested for what Courtney had? Uh, court, uh, both the girls and Nicole and myself have all seen a specialist back in April. The girls were fully tested. He had told me um, there's so much more research to do on this disease. They don't know which gene it travels in and stuff but anyways uh it's been proven so far a child does not die from it but he said he wouldn't rule anything out right so we'll see the girls in 10 years uh nicole and i we go back in january to see him he is um i think i finally had my last uh test last week because he's been running a lot of tests on nicole and i the um the average age is 50 and 60 that in your 60s that you die of this disease really so she courtney was very like under that age very that's why they were so stumped because she was so young very very young yeah because we were originally told and we were told this in alberta by courtney's family doctor that usually it's in your 50s so i'm thinking oh i'm safe i'm turning 60 in a couple months i ain't gonna worry about it and then i go see this specialist in Brampton that uh, specializes in these type of things. And he says, no, it's fifties and the sixties. So mm-hmm. he, so what he has advised Nicole and I both to do is to carry a, the front page of Courtney's autopsy with us that has the disease on it and everything. Because if we get an abnormal headache and we start to vomit, we're to get to the hospital ASAP there. Apparently there is a window frame. So Courtney, that, potentially, if she had gone to the hospital, could anything have happened to save her? Uh, they wouldn't have looked for this disease. So probably not. No, they said uh, no. And uh, now that we know what Nicole and I know what we're dealing with, if we get like Courtney did. Right. There is a window frame they can put a stint in and save your life. Wow. They would... They wouldn't have found out what Courtney had. No. And I mean, you know, I remember talking with, cause she had been at, um, like you said, an Airdrie when it happened and she started puking that, you know, and she was at a friend's house that I knew and that. And when I spoke to her, she said, you know, I had told her she should go to the hospital and I feel bad that I didn't make her, you know, go like I should have just driven her and told her no and everything. And, you know, and then when she heard that, uh, you know, this, there was really nothing they could have done for it. You know, at least she, she's, you know, she said to herself, she's like, I can't keep beating myself up anymore. You know, like. <laughs> when I first found out what she had died from, I went through a really rough time because as a mother, mm-hmm. I gave birth to a baby, gave her a disease through my genes and had no clue I did it. But then I had to, it took me a bit. About a month, and I thought, you know what? 
I didn't know this existed. Nor would you have given it to her, even if you had known if it was, you know what I mean? Like you would never have given it to her, you know, voluntarily. But as a mother, you think, oh, I, yeah, she got it from my genes. Like it's all my fault. But then I realized, no, it's not my fault. It's just, it's a part of life. And it's one of those things you have no control over. It's true. It's true. You know, I remember when um, Kira was first born, my eldest, when she was first born and she's seven days old and they're doing all these tests for her because, you know, when they do the foot poke and everything, they're testing for like 40 different things when they're first born. And, you know, we got called back to Children's Hospital that they had found something with, with her and she ended up having hypothyroidism, congenital hypothyroidism. So her thyroid gland actually never um, formed. And, you know, for a couple days, about like two or three days, I actually thought I had done something wrong in my pregnancy for this to have happened. And, you know, like I, you know, had cried and stuff about it. And, you know, in the end, it really is not a big deal. She takes a pill every day kind of thing. But like, you know, your firstborn, especially like you just think they should be perfect and nothing should be wrong. You know, you don't want to see them drawing blood from your newborn and everything. Like it's the last thing you want to see happening. And, and Tim and Tim just kept sitting me down saying, you didn't do anything wrong. Like you're, you were good as a pregnant woman. Like you didn't drink, you didn't like, you didn't do anything wrong. Like this just happened. So I get what you mean by that. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, So is there anything, you know, kind of wrapping up here, is there anything that you want to say to any grandparents in your situation, you know, raising their grandchildren, toddlers at this point in time in life? Like, is there anything you want to say to any, anyone? Um, it sure changes your life. It is it's an easy. No, it's not easy. It's very hard. It's very draining. Mm-hmm. Um, you have no. I, I I can't say you don't have no life anymore because you do. You have the joy of your gandrick, the your little loved ones around you, twenty four seven. Yeah, but it's it's totally different. It's you're not grandparent anymore, essentially. No, I'm not. A grandmother anymore um and when tragic happens in life and you these things yeah I don't wish it upon anybody but you do what you have to do and you move on and with life and you make the best of it as hard as it is there's moments where I just want to snap mm-hmm. I don't go on anymore mm-hmm. but you because you love them so much yeah yeah you just make the best of it. That's all you can do. Yeah. For sure. I tell you one thing I did. I told John's niece when those girls turned 12, she's getting them. Because <laughs> I can't do the teenage life again. They can come back when they're college age. College age. <laughs> <laughs> is she, is she like married with kids and that? <laughs> oh, yeah. She, oh, she's, uh, her youngest one is 19 now. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you can always send them out here. We'll straighten them out. <laughs> no, it shouldn't. I'm, it's not like our, my girls listen to me that well some days. <laughs> you have the oh, I, that's, I don't I, know. I, four teenage girls. Like, I, I think we'd be having a nightmare out here. <laughs> yeah, all PMS in it. Tim, Tim would just like up and leave every weekend. Be like, I can't handle this. Oh, my God. The fighting, the screaming over clothes. <laughs> You know, the thing is, like, Courtney put John and I through the ringer. She really did. Courtney was no angel. <laughs> she, she was a child. We always said we would be visiting her in prison. Never expected she'd be on the outside of the bars. 
<laughs> working for a prison. I know, like she, the stuff she did, and I'm dreading if either one of these are even half of what their mother put us through. I don't. I'm gonna. We're gonna be in our well in our seventies, Ashley. I don't of know. I, <laughs> for sure. For but, sure. About that bridge when we cross it, like exactly. we do, we have to pull here. <laughs> and I, you know, one thing I keep telling the girls because the girls, they, especially the, well, they both say it. Thank the thank John and I for being there and taking care of them and giving them a home and everything. Really, and they do, eh? Yes, quite often, and I'll say wow. that's okay. Remember, when Nana and Papa get old. You're going to be taking care of us. Yes. <laughs> you can change our diapers and feed us. <laughs> you say, okay. <laughs> You're already picturing yourself in a diaper? No, not yet. <laughs> oh, I'm just preparing the girls. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to, tell, to say to other people that might that are going through what we're going through. Everybody's lifestyle is different. Yeah. All children are different. It's just, I don't wish it upon my worst enemy. That's for sure. No. And I love those girls to death, but it's, it's exhausting. I, 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 I'm with you. I have, you know, like the girls, my girls are very, like we said, like almost the exact same age and it's rough. It's like having twins. (laughs) When they go to bed at night, I'm ready for bed. And I'll, you know, and they're so used to it. <laughs> Winter or holler. Nana, when you going to bed? I'm in bed. It's time for you to go to bed. <laughs> oh, she's a sharp one. <laughs> oh, she is. She's a sharp yeah. one. Well, I hope you can come out sometime and you can give me with them. Yes, yes. You know, like I, I did talk to, to Tim about it recently and that. And, you know, it's, uh, like I said, we just bought a house recently. So it's it's in the plans to come out. When exactly, we haven't decided yet. But we're hoping next summer would be uh, doable for us, obviously, because this summer is kind of coming to an end pretty soon here. So uh, we would definitely like to come and see you. And, you know, you guys are always, you guys are family for us. We, we just love you guys. And, you know, anything we can ever do, we are here for you. Uh, you know, I think one of the things I want to say out there to people that are, are in your position, look for support groups. You know, if you're really struggling, you're not sure where you are in life with this and you're, you're struggling, find support groups, go talk to a counselor, whatever it is you got to do to help yourself through it. Yeah. And uh, that's the biggest thing. Don't be afraid to ask for help because you need it. And especially at, you know, your age, Brenda and stuff like that, grandparents, like if you're not like a 40 year old grandparent, like this is rough to do this. It's tiring. And so don't be afraid to ask for, don't be afraid to ask your friends, you know, like first we were afraid to ask, uh, to ask people to take the girls. Cause like we signed a court paper, they're our responsibility, but you know, as time has gone on and like, as I, you know, we're, we're pushing two years now and we've adjusted, we've got a, we just got a new lifestyle and like things are a lot easier than what they were, especially the last six months. This summer has been great with the girls mm-hmm. tiring, but <laughs> I, the conclusion i i want to go do something i will ask someone if they will take the girls good good for you you know and uh, if they're willing to keep for the night hey by all means i'll pack a bag and they can come for the night <laughs> that's awesome i'm really i'm really glad to hear that you guys are you know asking for that help and taking the time that you guys need and everything that's i'm really glad to hear that i am because yep. i know we need it 
And I know that was one thing when, when Tim and I first met you, Tim said, when we like said goodbye to you guys and the girls, that was one thing I remember him saying to you guys, you guys need to take time for yourself. This is going to be really hard on you guys. Yep. I remember that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So Brenda, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart and all parts of my heart, actually, you know, thank you for doing this episode with me. I know it was a super emotional episode, you know, something really, uh, hard to talk about, you know, you, you, I, I, I was fighting back tears quite a bit of this episode too. And, you know, I, I thank you so much for doing this episode with me. I really do. I thank you too, Ashley. Um, I think it was a great idea and yeah, it was rough, but we did it and it's done. And just remember, we love you guys too. Yeah. And we will, we will be talking with you guys soon. Okay. Peace. Bye Have a calculated day, everyone. <laughs>